0: Welcome to this podcast of the New York City Bar Association. In this episode, three former City Bar Diversity Fellows on their professional journeys. Michelle Natal, co-chair of the City Bar's Recruitment and Retention of Lawyers Committee and an attorney at Mayor Brown, speaks with Muhammad Faridi, her committee co-chair and a partner at Patterson Belknap, and James A. Lewis V., Executive Director of the City Bar's Office for Diversity and Inclusion, about how the Diversity Fellows Program has helped them and others make their way in the legal profession. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers, and not necessarily of the City Bar. Here's Michelle Natal.
1: Hi, my name is Michelle Natal. I'm an attorney in New York City with the law firm of Mayor Brown, and I am very excited to host this podcast about a diversity program that is so near and dear to my heart the New York City Bar Association Diversity Fellowship. I have heard many refer to the diversity fellowship as the crown jewel of the bar's diversity initiatives. I agree. Uh, It is a program whereby diverse first-year law students from New York City area schools are selected and placed in summer internships at participating law firms and corporate legal departments in New York City. Um, To be clear, these are plum internships that are rarely available um, to to one else um, and nearly impossible to get for students attending schools like CUNY Law and Brooklyn who otherwise may have no connections um, and maybe the first in their families to attend law school um, or even college. It's probably at this point uh, before I continue to rave that I should um, provide a disclaimer here or share a disclaimer that I'm a I'm a former fellow. Um, I won't share how long ago I participated, um, but I credit the program with my career trajectory. Um, I was one of many fellows who were the first in their families to attend college and then law school. Um, the fellowship opened windows and doors of opportunity for me, so I'm completely biased. Um, the fellowship program has been going strong for thirty years and has over seven hundred alumni, um many of whom are leaders in the legal depre- profession, partners, general counsels, prosecutors, and judges. And today, we're going to talk with two of these success stories about the program. So first, I'd like to introduce Mohammed Faridi. Muhammad and I currently co-chair the Bar Committee responsible for the program. And so I can say from personal experience that he is an impressive professional who is also a pleasure to work with. Um, Muhammad is a litigation partner of patterson Belknap. He has a number of professional accolades, including being named by the New York Law Journal as a rising star in 2018. Muhammad has also been recognized on numerous occasions for his vast pro bono work and civic work. Um, so thanks, Muhammad, for joining.
2: Happy to be here and join you, Michelle, and our other guest, James, who I think you'll introduce next.
1: Yep, so we are also extremely lucky to have James Lewis, a litigation partner with Chazen Lamparello in New Jersey, who has recently taken the role of Executive Director of the New York City Bar Association's Office for Diversity, Diversity and Inclusion. James is a key member of the bar's leadership team and has been praised by the bar president, Sheila Boston herself, for his unwavering commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is particularly meaningful coming from President Boston, who is the first female of color to be elected to the bar's top seat of president. Indeed, President Boston, who ran the fellowship program during its early years, Specifically noted that she is so proud that one of, her, one of our former diversity fellows has returned to lead the Office for Diversity and Inclusion in its efforts to promote accountability and progress in diversifying the legal profession. James has a lot of work to do. So um, James and I have only just met, and I'm looking forward to learning about um, his insight and perspective on the fellowship program. So with that, I say we jump in and, and get started. Um, so, so maybe the right place to start is to sort of talk about, um, what made, what made you guys a a good candidate for the diversity, diversity fellowship program? Um, and maybe James, we can, we can start with you.
3: Sure. Absolutely. Um, so I had great grades, so I think that that probably helped, uh, I really did well my first year. Um, and I think that I had a reputation, uh, for being a sponge, right? Like I was willing to learn whatever environment you put me in. I was gonna try to take as much information as I could from that environment. And in the law school arena, I think that made me stand out a little bit because so many folks are so frightened (laughs) that first year that taking anything additional on is not even on the radar. Uh, So I think I was able to kind of establish myself as having roots within the community of the law school, uh, being willing to serve whether it was with research for professors outside of the met and bounds of just schoolwork Uh, and then, you know, I think people saw me as also just needing some um, cleaning up in some ways. (laughs) I was uh, coming from Jersey City, an inner city environment. Um, So folks saw the diamond in the rough, I guess. like There's a lot of potential here. Let's see what we can do to give this some polish. Um, And I welcome that. So I think those things kind of lended themselves for being on folks' radar, uh, being recommended recommended for different things, and uh, also being presented with opportunities generally throughout my career.
1: And James, where did did you go to law school?
3: I went to Hofstra Law School. So part of what you shared resonates um, because throughout my career, oftentimes I was the only Hofstra alum in the room. Um, And in a lot of prestigious spaces, you know, folks look at your law school and they have automatic thoughts or implicit biases, I guess would be the language you'd use in the diversity community about what that means. And so I was able to kind of defrock some of those belief sets, Um, but it wasn't without issue, right? When you're... Competing with folks with degrees from Harvard and Columbia and New York and the Northeast is kind of seen as the hub of legal academia. Uh, You know that does not, you know, it comes into your mind, and so you have to kind of climb above that. And certainly the fellowship at the start of my career, and I won't disclose the year I went to the program either. uh, But the fellowship at the start of it was after me, James. Just you know, that's all. (laughs) That's all the people need to know. it allowed for me to have a certain belief set in myself because I knew some people were buying to get into the fellowship and did it, um, and I did. So it kind of gave me a little bit of like these folks believe in me, so I ought to believe in myself. And that ebbs and flows, obviously, but um, it kept me learning and kept me, I think, where I am now.
2: candidly.
1: And what about you, Mohammed? Does that does that does that resonate with you? I know it resonates with me.
2: Yeah, you know, as James was was saying that, I, I thought that. You know we come from very different backgrounds but we have so much in common uh you know i, I grew up in, in south asia and moved to uh brooklyn the inner city coney allen brighton beach that area when i was 12 13 years old and uh, I, I was just like james a sponge tried to absorb it all in and also put myself uh in slightly uncomfortable positions by taking on uh sometimes too many things um, and you know sometimes i learned my lesson the hard way so you know when i got into law school i too like james had very good grades i had good grades uh as an undergraduate i am the product of the cuny system so i went to cuny uh, undergraduate uh, john jay college and also cuny law school um, and uh, the combination of good grades uh, good internship experiences while I was an undergrad, I think made me a good candidate um, uh, for the fellowship. Uh, and just like James said, I too struggled with perhaps having a, a chip on my shoulder when I walked into some of these rooms where I would meet with students from Harvard, Yale, Columbia, NYU, and um, you know that uh, made me uncomfortable. But ultimately, you know, one thing that I realized a week or two weeks into the program was that that was just my own insecurity. I was as capable uh, uh, as, as my peers. Uh, and just getting over that issue, I, I think ultimately helped me excel in my legal career.
1: And do you guys think, I mean, sort of coming from the two schools, um, the law schools that that you came from, um, do you... Do you um, Think that you would have had those same experiences. So, um, I assume each of you are placed with a law firm um, through the fellowship program. Is that right?
3: I actually was placed at a corporation. So, I was in Prudential. Okay. Um, and again, you know, you had folks who were crossing the river, these Cornell folks, Columbia folks, and my management <laughs> by and large were, were Cornell folks and Columbia folks. Um, so, there was definitely a bit of, all right, well, if we're here to compete, how can I learn from these folks who are lateral to me as well? Uh, So that opportunity, I think, was also useful for me uh, because some of it is sort of the substance of the work, but some of it is a bit of a culture shock, too. Um, My first pre-interview at OCS, at the Office of Career Services at my law school, I went in a black button-down shirt, right? And she said, you know, you look very nice, but don't wear this anywhere (laughs) else, you know? Um, And so those pieces of soft information about... Uh, certain decisions you're making and how they can resonate with other folks were useful information that early on in my career too. And I was younger also. I I skipped a grade and I graduated college in three years.
1: And now Uh, you're just showing off, James.
3: No, so, but it did not feel like it. When people look at you, they don't care. So, and they don't know. Uh, So it was just like, no, I'm actually just a baby. Like, I don't know anything that's going on right now. Um, So kind of going into a space with that piece too, where you have folks where this may be their second career. Um, So they may be 10 10 years your senior, just in terms of knowing professional environments and what that looks like, uh, was useful information for me too, because before law school, the only work I had really ever done was either by virtue of uh, internships or like at summer camps with kids. And so not readily transferable. Um, So those types of soft information were, you know, instrumental I think in my success at that stage.
0: Mahan, well, what what about you,
2: you? Uh, yeah well I was gonna ask you the same thing what about you uh, walk us through what made you uh, a good candidate uh, for the fellowship?
1: yeah I, you know um I think um, a lot of what you guys have talked about um, resonates I mean i I um, as I said uh, I was the fir- um, the first in my family um, and, and not just my immediate family my extended family um, to go to college um, and obviously then then the first to, to go to law school. Um, And so I had a ton of insecurities. I went to NYU. Um, I had um, done very well um, at SUNY Binghamton um, and um, got into NYU. But, you know, I certainly suffered from imposter um, syndrome um, while I was at school. Um, And it was um, an NYU person um, in the recruiting service who said, hey, you'd be great for this program. You should you should apply. Um, and, you know, with anticipation that I wasn't necessarily going to get it, um, I got it. Um, and you know, the real struggle for me, um, was, and I was placed in a law firm. Um, I was placed in a Carter Ledger, one of the, one of the oldest law firms, I think the oldest law firm in New York city, um, on wall street, um, right. Wall street was something I just like heard about, had never actually been, um, and, I was had no idea what a corporate environment was going to look like. My dad was a cop in the city. Um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, um, and was just um, kind of freaking out um, about like what to wear and how to act, and um, and uh, and I, you know, I remember, and so that that really was it wasn't even the work so much because I think I um, thought, okay, I that part I'll be able to figure out. Um, uh, and I can get along pretty well with people. So I wasn't even necessarily even worried about that, that aspect. Um, but really feeling like, oh, I am going to commit so many faux pas here. Like I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. I mean, and I, felt that, like I felt like a, you know, a sort of fish out of water. Um, and, uh, and I do remember we, we went, one of the first things we did, um, you know, they took us to a fancy lunch in the world trade center, windows on the world. Um, and, they had these stations set up, like food stations set up. Um, and I took my plate and I thought it was like a buffet. So I like just walked, I walked behind the, the stations um, and started serving myself. And like the partner's eyes were like bugging because they were like, uh, there are people who do that. And I was like, so embarrassed. But um, I learned to just like, you know, you just got to roll, roll with it. But I think that's the thing when I look at, um, you know, fellows in the fellowship program, um, just how how important it is. Um, you know, these are these are these are folks who, um, a lot of times, not always, um, but you know, really, this is their fo- first exposure to, to to the corporate world, and that's really the point behind it. Um, it's to um, you know increase the representation um, of people who are otherwise underrepresented um, in the legal profession. Um, so I think I fit that bill. Um, so I think that's why I was a good candidate.
2: Right, and I made the uh, the opposite mistake uh, than James. He, he he went to his OCI interview as he said, wearing a black button-down shirt. I took out a credit card before my first interview, and I got a three-piece suit with very fancy cufflinks. And this friend of mine, who I uh, who was driving me to uh, to my interview, he said, "Don't do this again." So he uh, made me take off the uh, the inside vest. Of my three-piece suit and make sure that my cufflinks were hidden <laughs> under my <laughs> under my suit jacket.
1: Uh, that's very funny. So, <laughs> so you know now now here we are, the three of us, um, and you know we're we're um, farther along in our careers, um, and um, all three of us have been motivated um, to. To participate in um, you know diversity initiatives in New York City, and particularly with respect to the diversity fellowship program. So, um, let me ask you, Mohammed. You know, you're you're a big firm partner. Um, you know, what motivated you um, to become involved in the program and take a leadership role?
2: Right. I mean, I, I you know, I credit the program and the, the fellowship and the other. Diversity initiatives that the city bar runs uh, and the uh, profession generally, you know, is focused on. Uh, for much of the success that I've had in my career, you know, my first uh, legal job was the fellowship I was placed at MetLife uh, when they were in Long Island City, and that helped me excel. Uh, I was able to get a good summer internship the following summer, and. And get a clerkship afterwards with a federal judge, in part uh, because I had a great start in, in my first summer. So you know, it's 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 in, in some ways it's 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 a it's a pipeline program, right? Um, and I, I see a lot of value uh, in these types of programs, and I think three of us are exhibits A, B, and C as to why uh, programs like this are uh, so necessary and, and so successful. Um, and that's, that's what motivates me to try to uh, do something um, similar for other folks in, in the pipeline who uh, are highly capable but have not had the same type of luck uh, and the same types of opportunities that, uh, that some of their peers um, have. And it's, it's, you know, if we can make a difference in one person's life, by running this program, by uh, uh, g- making sure that there's an opportunity for them um, during the first summer in, uh, in law school, uh, it's a it, that by itself, even if it's one person, it's a very fulfilling experience. And this year, you know, we placed I think it was 35. Michelle, right? Yep, it was 35. 35 uh, for one uh, else um, uh, at fellowships at corporate law departments and, and law firms in New York City. Uh, and that was one of the most f- fulfilling experiences this year for me.
1: That's great. Yeah, no, I, I feel very, very similar. Um, and, and James, I mean, what about you? I mean, you've now taken on a, a very significant leadership role um, in in New York City um, for the legal profession. Um, so, you know, what what motivates you to do that?
3: Um, So, I view the program and this role, frankly, as being part of the course correction, right? I think that we kind of stand in the gap and we create bridges of opportunity for folks who may not get them otherwise. Um, And for me personally, I didn't meet an attorney along any line of diversity until I was in college. Uh, So I wasn't thinking seriously about practicing law being something that I could do even. Uh, to well into my academic career. So I think I have the program as being a way to stand that gap and introduce folks and create connections and networks um, that obviously will be self-sustaining, right? Um, You know, my trajectory is not unlike Mohammed's in that I also clerk for a federal judge, and I query if not for interning at Prudential, and then Summering at the U.S. Attorney's Office, if that federal clerkship would have been available to me, uh, grades aside, right? Um, because we know that there's a merit component of this, certainly, um, but relationships are so critical to success within this profession. And I think that my role now allows for me to help uh, create those networks and those relationships who, for folks who are not birthed into them, let's say. So, so that's where, where I see my role, and that's what I'd like to continue to do for the office.
1: Yeah, no, that's great, and um, and and that's the thing. I mean, I I do think about. I mean, I I tout the fellowship program every every time I can, and I have um, you know, I've 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 been the I I have a pretty pretty all um uh inclusive view of it. In that I was a fellow, um, and then following, and then at some point, um, while I was I was a in house lawyer at um the Bank of New York Mellon um corporation, and and BNY Mellon. Um, is uh, a longstanding um, employer for the fellowship program. So they take on um, three, three interns, three fellows every summer. Um, and I ran that program while I was at the bank. Um, and so I had, I had that perspective too, right? From the employer's perspective. Um, and, um, and then a few years ago, um, I took on um, the, the co-chair position and have um, been, been running the program, um, uh, or at least running the committee um, that runs the program, Um, And so now I'm really sort of the behind the scenes person um, for the program. And so and all that's like a really um, long winded way of saying, like, I've seen so many um, fellows go through this program um, in in various capacity and they're awesome. And it's great. And you see them succeed. um, And the numbers are vast. Um, and like we said at the outset, this this program has been around for 30 years. We've got you know a, a, ne- a very significant network of 7 700 or so um, alumni, and you know. But it does lead me to say like, okay, so the fellow like you kind of think of the fellowship program as something um, you'd hope like, oh, we need this to help increase representation um, in in the legal profession. Um, but why do we still need it, right? Like we're we're thirty years. Like how many more years do you do you need a fellowship program? Um, and so you know, let me. I have my own thoughts, but let me put it to you guys. Like, what are your thoughts? Like, wh- why do we still need um, a program like this? You know, thirty years out.
3: I could. T- I, I mean, the representation within most organizations is still pretty bleak. I could tell you. For every step of my career, I've been the one or one of two as it relates to lines of diversity, including my federal clerkship. Right, Uh, the clerkship class I was in, I think there were it was just me in terms of African Americans. Uh, When I summer at the U.S. Attorney's Office, I think along pretty much every line of difference. Like you're talking about Hofstra folks. I was probably the only person there. Uh, I think it was one of two in terms of African Americans. So uh, the need is just as dire um, as it was 30 years ago. And in some lines of difference, actually worse. Um, So, you know, while I think the credit, I credit the program, I think it's phenomenal. uh, When I think about the profession through a broader lens, um, the need for diversity is just as critical. And again, I think we're assuring for the talent component, right? So everyone who comes through the program made the grades, made an impression on folks to get into it. Um, so I think we're adding the additional layer of the networking component uh, because I just speaking for my class, the folks who came out of my class, you know these are folks who are go on to be partners at Millbank and Scadden or go in-house into these large organizations. so there's a talent component there and a relationship building on my end, right? Irrespective of what I end up doing. I know know these folks from when they were in law school and we've remained in touch, um, That I think you can't really, that, that value just speaks for itself.
1: It's so frustrating. Like, yes, I totally agree. And I think that's the thing, right? We've, we, um, we see all these very talented, um, diverse students um, and they're sort of launching their career through this fellowship program. But I too, um, I would say I am almost always um, the only Latina in the room, um, uh, for you know, for for the most part, um, and that's you know whether that's uh, you know in a when I was at the bank um, and speaking with senior management, um, or you know currently at a law firm talking to um, you know GCs and, and adversaries at other other firms. So, um, so it's uh, and uh, you, you know there, it does. And and then I, I I look at the fellows and I you know I just I I see um, you know them and I hear about their successes and um, I just I just want to applaud it, um, but I but at the same time I have this frustration of like well I hope you know we, we need them to keep going and we need opportunities for them sort of as they continue um, uh, with with their careers.
2: Right. In some ways, you know, our program can only do so much. Right. We are a This is a pipeline program. Uh, We are trying to place um, young, vibrant, dynamic people of color and uh, from underrepresented backgrounds into the corporate law, uh, law firm environment. And then, you know, I think the the onus is ultimately on on corporate America and, and the law firms to make sure that they're able to retain uh these people you know so uh I, there's a problem i i think both on the pipeline side and that's where our program comes in and we're able to uh increase the flow into the pipeline i think that makes a, a tremendous difference for many of the law firms and in-house law departments where we place our fellows sometimes not sometimes i think uh, many times or perhaps most times uh the uh fellow that's coming in through the fellowship program is the only uh, individual from an underrepresented background who is going to be interning uh, at that particular firm or in-house law department. Uh, But that's all we can do here through this program. And then I I think the burden is on the rest of the profession or on the profession uh, to make sure that they're able to uh, retain this talent, develop that, that talent, and make sure that the talent is successful uh, in climbing up the ladder um, uh, at the in-house law department or at the law firm.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, that's the thing, if, you know, for, for those um, listening who are potential employers, I'd say, um, you know, this program has so so much to offer. Um, you know, one, you know, you're, you're going to get um, that you know, one it's a diversity initiative and I think um, you know a lot of employers are looking to um, expand their diversity initiatives and this one um, is sort of already pretty well packaged um, so there's no um, administrative burden um, on on the part of the employer I um, you know we, we go out um, the um, the students uh, go through a very rigorous um, process application process um, you know so in just a little bit insight there um, you know they the The students um, apply through their law schools, um, and then the law schools, um, you know, upon uh, reviewing applications, which include uh, a a writing sample, um, as well as a legal writing sample, as well as um, a personal statement, uh, the the law schools then interview um, the the applicants, um, and they select, the law schools then select, um, you know, a handful of candidates. That they want to recommend to to the bar, um, the bar then takes those recommendations um, and puts them all through it again. <laughs> so then they they come and they interview um, with uh, a panel um, uh, that's put together that includes typically um, you know uh, a lawyer from one of our employers, um, a law school rep of not their law school, and one of the committee members. Um, and from that um, group, we then select. Um, uh, the, the the fellows for the class so it, it's quite a bit um, it's very rigorous um, and um, we, we're doing all of that um, for the employer um, and then we we assign um, each employer um, who has committed to the program uh, a student. Um, and so I'd say one okay so as I was saying like it, it's a it's a it's a good way to ha- and kind of good and easy way um, to, to um, ha- expand your diversity initiatives two, um, you're getting a great intern, um, right? Uh, and so that's you know that's also that's also good news. But three, um, you know, you're increasing your potential um, pipeline in the future. And whether um, that is, I know some corporate legal departments have started, who have participated in the program for a long time, have started doing alumni events um, where they pull together all the alum- all their fe- all their fellows from past years and bring them back to bring them back for a reception or something um so that they you know maybe there are job opportunities or maybe there's a way to network um but you you know maybe the greatest story is when you you know you had a fellow they've gone on um with their career um and then you hire them um you know 10, ten years out um and you know you really do see your your investment through um so you know i i think you know that's that that's sort of my perspective james i know you're you know relatively new in the executive director position um but i don't know if you've heard sort of feedback um, from, you know, the law firms um, or, or other employers in the city um, who've participated in the program?
3: Yeah, so for, from on my end, the feedback has been uniformly positive. Um, and again, I, that may be because I'm entrenched, so so people only come to me with the good things, but um, certainly uh, on my end, there are folks who went to the organization they summered with and then rose through the summer associate to being an early associate there, all the way up to partnership. Um, And that's pretty unusual these days. Um, So I think that that kind of speaks to the commitment from the fellows, but also for the organizations that are involved. And again, where I actually was, was Prudential, who much like the employer you mentioned, I think hires like three or four fellows as well. Um, So there's commitment, longevity, and there's value seen on the employer end as well. Um, And certainly from my colleagues who have gone through the program or when I meet someone and they happen to mention that they were a diversity fellow, even at this stage of their career. And I say, oh, I am, too. There's a certain level of collegiality around that as well. Um, I think the current chair of the City Bar Fund actually is an alum as well. So um, you start thinking about those connections and those relationships and kind of that mutuality of what you, you did to get there. During your first year, which we all know at one L is kind of like its own treacherous thing in and of itself. Um, so to take on that additional, I think, uh, impact that it for yourself of going through that process not once but twice, I think speaks to your commitment to the profession. So all those things together, I think, lead to sort of a mutual understanding on the employer end and through the folks who have gone through the program about the value of it.
1: Yeah, no, I I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And um, you know, I think. Um, In my current role um, as a chairperson for the committee, you know, I get a lot of positive feedback um, from employers um, and, um, you know, I think uh, for a lot of folks, it's really just inspiring um, because they do hear from their fellows on sort of the value of the fellowship program. You know, I, I have also ha- heard you know some employers express some hesitation um in participating in the program um because they're not actually able to choose their interns um and the fellows are selected and placed with them, um you know Mohammed you, you you know you're also a chairperson for the committee you know what what's your response to that that criticism or hesitation?
2: Right, uh, you know, and we and we don't hear that from most employers. It's only a few employers here and there, that they'll raise that as a concern. And I think we have been able to address that concern. Um, and the, the, these employers continue to participate uh, in the program. Uh, from just a, 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 a technical um, program management standpoint, it is just v- very difficult and perhaps even impossible to have employers interview um, and uh, the individual fellows that they want to hire employers can do that already they're free to go to all of these law schools on their own and and uh, participate in the OCI program there Uh, our program is designed to um, uh, bring together a pool of candidates from the Columbia's and the NYU's uh, uh, of the city as well as from uh, the law schools that James and I went to, um, uh, Hofstra, CUNY, and uh, other very good law schools like Brooklyn and Fordham. And uh, what we worry about is employers um, uh, selecting uh, or, or choosing to interview only uh, students from the top tier law schools uh, when we know as a matter of fact that there are some great candidates who have a tremendous amount of potential, who are dynamic and vibrant, who go to the Turo's, the CUNY's, the Hofstra's of the world. And if you give them an opportunity, like James and I have been given opportunities, we have the potential to excel. Um, And, you know, both of us, and and Michelle, you went to NYU, so you're you're in a different league, but James and I, we are really uh, examples of, 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 of of students who um, may not have been given the opportunity uh, during the OCI process, but got the opportunity through the fellowship program uh, only because the way it's managed, where it's a committee that does the pairing between the fellows and and, and the employer. And it's because of that we have been able to excel. And what we worry is if we allow employers to hand select the particular candidates, that they wanna hire, uh, these students from these types of schools that we went to won't have those opportunities.
1: And, and that's the thing, right? I mean, it's opportunities. And and also, um, you know, I, I read these, um, the personal statements. I mean, there are reasons why people go um, to, to different schools. A lot of it usually has to do with money. Uh, so <laughs> let's be honest, right? Um, and, um, you know, I know students um, who, could have gone into NYU, um, but they got a full ride to St. John's. So guess where they went? St. John's. And, um, or, you know, or, you know, obviously CUNY is um, uh, the tuition is, is less than, than a Columbia. So there are lots of reasons or someone needs to be really close to home um, and, you know, wherever their, wherever their families might be. Um, so there are lots of reasons why um, people choose different schools. And a lot of those reasons have, all to do with the they're they're, um, already under representation. And so I think that that's really the point. Um, And and to have someone go and succeed. um, And because then once you're there, you're just, you know, particularly if you're talking about a law firm, um, you're just, you're a summer, you're a summer associate, like you're in the mix and you're, you know, nobody needs to know where you went to school or what what's going on. They know, um, that you're either doing the assignment well or you're not doing the assignment well. Either you're, you know, you're making a, you're a good fit or you're not. Like so, um, it just it suddenly becomes, you know, I, and I think that's kind of the point. We're trying to, that you know, this program as well as lots of diversity um, initiatives. Um, the point is to level the playing field, um, which is a misnomer a lot of time, right a lot of times. I mean, it's it's not like snapping your fingers, um, but it's it's an effort and um, and I think. Um, that you have to kind of you have to embrace, embrace that, um, uh, and it's it's also why this is a one L program rather than a two L program. Um, you know, it's a one L program. There's no obligation or expectation um, that the person is going to be you know hired permanently. Um, you know, so it it really is um, really an, an an opportunity, and that's what we all say. We want to give we want to give people opportunities, and we want to people who don't otherwise have opportunities. Um, uh, uh, as a result of their, you know, racial makeup, ethnic makeup, um, you know, we want to give them, we want to give them opportunities. So that's, I really feel like that's what this is about. Um, and, and like I said, to be selected, you've, you know, you've, you've got to go through a lot of hoops. And so, um, you know, I, I'll ask you guys, cause you went through all those hoops, you know, what do you say to a law student who's like, who asks, you know, is this even worth it? Like, this seems like a lot to do. I may or may not got, get it. I can just apply, you know, and then you know to apply to something else. Um, maybe either it's a good thing. There are a lot of um, diversity um, initiatives for law students nowadays, um, you know. But what makes what makes this program special?
3: Yeah, for me, even had I not gotten in, process-wise, they put me head and shoulders above. Other folks at my law school for the 2L OCI component of things. Uh, because as you mentioned, there's there's a bit of a cultural divide. And so I remember stepping into a panel interview, I had not experienced anything like that before. and uh, You can Google to your blue in the face, but there's nothing like having that actual experience. And so small things like making eye contact with each person that's speak with you. you got to remember that the people that are interviewed, they're trained to take depositions a lot of times. So it can be fairly intense, all other components aside. Um, but I think having that trial ground, um, even if it didn't come to fruition, was useful for me just in my own learning. Um, and then again, you, you get entrenched into so many different things, the bar association, the organizations of the folks who are interviewing you, because again, you're, it's not one organization. So you're, you folks, for example, are you're powerful at your own firms. So to be a one L, even if I didn't get through, but I made a connection with one of the folks that interviewed me, um, I think that can go a really, really long way. And it's kind of hard to quantify that to a one L. But I would certainly say that it served me well in terms of the relationships and being able to pick up the phone throughout my career and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. Do you have any thoughts on this? And I think in terms of the practice, that's really what distinguishes excellent attorneys from like good attorneys, right? Um, so if if you're a one L and you're interested in being an excellent attorney, um, it would be a hard sell for you to give show me another opportunity that outpaces what we're doing here.
2: All right. Just to piggyback off of what James said, the it, it, you know it's it's a very competitive process, and the fact that it is a very competitive process is should be a reason alone. <laughs> For you to participate in it because if you're successful at the end of the day uh everyone in the marketplace is going to know that you went through this process you are a good writer you have good grades and therefore other opportunities will hopefully line up for you just because you went through this very competitive process and you were selected so in some ways it's disheartening look there are as michelle said the uh, law schools do a very good job on uh, on the, during the initial vetting process. They screen, and there are candidates uh, who are very good uh, students who ultimately do not uh, make their way over to the next round, which takes place at the bar Association. And at the bar association, there's another rigorous process, and we we screen out you know students who we, we don't think uh, are a good fit for the program uh even when we have employers sometimes who uh, are willing to uh take extra interns in we are reluctant sometimes to uh, make those placements if we don't think that these students um who uh, have applied aren't uh uh, capable uh, uh to fulfill the demands that will be imposed on them so it's a very competitive process right so and if you're able uh, to succeed through that process, it will further accelerate your career,
1: yeah, and I'm really impressed with um you know the the alumni network. and we spend a lot of time talking about how to do more with um with with um the alumni. Um, but you know, we reach out to former fellows um to participate, and they are very enthusiastic about participating. And so, you know, for me, I think, that's a major selling point to say, you know, and I know James, you, you were saying this, like, you know, you've, you've got people who you can just be like, I, it's something you have in common. Like the three of us have that in common. It's what brought us together for this podcast. It's, you know, um, uh, and, um, I think that that's meaningful. Um, and, um, so, you know, that, that really is sort of the, the driver that I try to, um, um, you know, explain to, you know, potential, potential applicants.
3: Yeah. Can I add one piece too? I think, the reputation of the program too extends beyond the alumni network, right? Uh, because folks who know you folks and know that you're fellows, when I say I'm a fellow on the strength of your reputation, they have a certain expectation set that comes with that. Um, so I think it's one of these things where it's a, it's a self-fulfilling loop in the sense that as you join this cadre of folks, everything, all the greatness they go out and do, uh, you get to kind of coattail on <laughs> by virtue of being in, in the program as well. I know for the announcement, Uh, for me taking this role it led with former diversity fellow right because that means something to folks and i think it has an altogether positive meaning i know once i was identified as one of the diversity fellows even on my own campus um a lot of folks started inviting me to their study groups right diverse and not diverse alike Uh, because at that stage nobody knows what your grades are right so who has a perfect 4.0 and who's hanging on by a thread nobody really knows but by function of being the diversity fellow at the school now, all of a sudden, I'm a hot commodity on campus, right? <laughs> um, so, so I think that that also has something to do with networking, too, right? Because, it launched you
1: to be a cool kid, James. Is that what you're saying? Yeah,
3: yeah you know, it, it, and I had no desire to be a cool kid. I, in <laughs> fact, was not a cool kid. Um, but it was interesting to see now people thought that I had some academic merit when ordinarily they'd walk right past me. Um, so those types of things, I think, had some social value as well
1: yeah, no, I completely agree. listen this has this has been great. Um, it's been really awesome um to to talk to you both and um to really bond over this. Um, and hopefully we've been able to provide um, you know useful information um to to listeners about about the program. And of course, for those listeners who are interested in learning more about the fellowship program, um, you know, I, I invite you to um, go on to the New York City Bar Association. Um, site. Um, you can go on to nycbar.org slash to learn more um, about the program and our contact information um, is on there. So, um, you know, encourage you to reach out. Thanks guys.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this New York City Bar Association podcast. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers and not necessarily of the City Bar. Find more City Bar podcasts and program audio on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher or on our website at nycbar.org podcasts. This podcast was produced by Eric Friedman and Alex Cardaris.